0: Thank you. Thank you. Jesus is born and that is why we are here today we're here to celebrate that reality that he is born and in fact this entire month as a church family we have been um, celebrating and thinking about and studying about and talking about and singing about the reality that Jesus is born And we've been in this series this month called The Cast of Christmas, and I've told our church family there's no mystery behind that series title. We are talking about all those people that the Bible names specifically that had some role in the birth narrative of Jesus. And that would be like the prophets, and we learned a lot about them. Specifically, Micah, Um, who gave this prophecy 700 years before Jesus was born, that the Savior would come from Bethlehem. And so as people anticipated and watched for the Messiah, there was an understanding. It could come from Bethlehem, if the prophets are correct. There were the angels that that announced that the Savior was born. They announced it uh, to a group of shepherds. And do you remember what they said? There's going to be peace on earth with this Savior. What peace is that? Well, this peace on earth, we've learned, is peace with God. That Jesus bridged or eliminated the hostility between man and God and brought them back together in reconciliation. And next we learned about the shepherds and how they were watching their fields that night when the angels showed up. First there was one angel and then a whole army of angels and they announced that the Savior had been born. And these angels, they rushed to go meet this Savior, this Messiah. And what an incredible visual that is. The announcement of the good shepherd being made to a group of shepherds, they were a visual demonstration of everything that Jesus would become. And last week, we learned a little bit about a group of guys that traveled from the Far East. The Bible calls them the Magi. They came seeking the one king of the Jews. That's who they were looking for. There was a thing in the sky that they saw that that started this whole journey, and and they came, and when they came to Jesus' house, they presented him gifts for a king and what stands out to me is that they bowed down and they worshiped this newborn king. That's the cast of Christmas. But there is, there is another member of the cast. Do you know who it is? It's you. It's me. The next members of the cast is us. Now, when you set up a nativity, there is no figure for us in the nativity. But if we could, we could put a little statue for ourselves because the, 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 the birth of Christ, his coming, and all these cast of characters, it includes you and me because we are the very purpose. We are the reason for why Jesus came. It's simply stated in perhaps what is the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that right there is why you and me and everybody in the world is a part of this cast of Christmas as well. Jesus was sent for us. And it's this truth right here that God sent his son, his one and only son, to ultimately die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Well, that truth, that truth that leads to our inclusion into the cast of Christmas, that is a Easy truth to lose sight of, especially during Christmas. We got to focus in and we have to be intentional to keep that front and center. I, I read a story about a lady who had gone shopping at the mall for Christmas presents. I don't wish that upon anybody, to be quite honest with you. And she had had enough people for one day, she had arms, both arms full of presents. So much so, she could not get on the escalator. So she was waiting at the elevator, okay? So she's had lines, she's had people, she's, she just, she's just done. And finally, the elevator door opens, and what does she see in front of her? An elevator so crammed full of people, she couldn't get on. She had had enough, she didn't care. She just pushed her way in, and people, you know, got out of the way. And she gets in there, she squeezes in, and the door shuts and she is so frustrated and so tired and just done with the day. She just, <clears throat> out of frustration, she just blurts this out. Whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing needs to be arrested, strung up, and shot. She'd had enough. And the elevator people, they just remained quiet but yet there was this one little voice in the very, very back of the elevator that just quietly said this, don't you worry about that. They already crucified him. But i tell you, it's easy this time of year to lose sight of the truth that what is Christmas all about. I would argue that it's easy to lose sight on a regular basis, but especially around Christmas. It is about Jesus. That is why I hang the nail on my tree every year, because it is about Jesus and what he brought to the earth when he came, what he made available to you and me that started in that little town of Bethlehem some 2000 years ago. And I have thought through all this cast of Christmas and I've tried to climb into their shoes this past month and what an incredible moment it had to have been for the shepherds when they heard the angels announcement that Jesus had been born and they rushed to see Jesus and there, lying in a manger, this feeding trough for animals was the very incarnation of God, God in the flesh and they are seeing it with their own eyes. And there was an anticipation in the world in that day that the Messiah was going to come and then here he is, first seen by a group of shepherds. But you know, we're not too different from them. As they were excited to see Jesus' first coming We, we should be excited about seeing his second coming. We're the same, really, when you think about it. They were waiting and we're waiting. They're looking for the Messiah. We're looking for Jesus to come again. And I don't think the anticipation should be any different. In fact, I think ours should even be more of anticipation than them. I think there's going to become a day, I don't think, I know there's going to come a day when it will be like the Apostle Paul described to Titus, his friend, In the book of Titus chapter 2, verse 11, he says this, "'For the grace of God has appeared "'that offers salvation to all people.'" That came with Jesus. "'It teaches us to say no to ungodliness "'and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, "'upright and godly lives in this present age "'while we wait for the blessed hope.'" Well, what is that? "'The appearing of the glory "'of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ.'" So yes, he is coming again. One day you and I and everybody else will lay eyes on this Messiah and what a glorious day that will be. And in that way, it's a lot like the shepherds, isn't it? We will stay, we, we will be amazed and we will shout for joy and we will worship and we will do all those things. I think about that moment, how great it had to be been for the Magi who had started this long journey on faith. They saw this thing in the sky and they just connected a dot, the, that it meant the king of the Jews had been born and then they traveled to Jerusalem. And they don't see that star again until they head towards Bethlehem and the star stops right over Jesus' house. And, and they were, what the Bible says, just this one simple word, they were overjoyed, but I sure wish they would expound it on that. Overjoyed, for me, it's cartwheels and handsprings, which is quite a sight. It is singing and skipping and jumping and laughing. They were overjoyed when they got to see Jesus. And then at some point in that visit, they got down on their knees and they bowed down before the Messiah, who was just a little boy. And they presented gifts for a king gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these were extremely valuable gifts. But I can tell you that this little baby boy that came that night all those years ago, what he brought to us was far more valuable than what they brought to him, what did he bring? He brought with him God's love on full display. Says in 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. Here is the practical way that God did this. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Friends, that gift that Jesus brought was more valuable than gold, frankincense and myrrh. It's incredible. This is how God showed his love for us, this miracle baby lying in a manger, visited by shepherds. Now that's an expression of God's love for us. So friends, that is why you and me are a part of this cast of Christmas. God sent his love to us and we are gonna live through him. We're the reason he came. So not only was it the very expression of God's love for us, but Jesus' very life, this little baby, was the vehicle in which God's love remains in us throughout our lifetime and on into eternity. It says in 1 John 4, 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you know, it sounds very clear in the Bible God did not send his son Jesus because the world loved him so much. It's not like mankind was like, oh, man, we just love God, and we want to live for him. We can't believe he's such a great God. And he was so touched by that love that he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my son Jesus. No, 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 that's not how it works. No, 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 no. The world's attitude towards God was nothing like that. And really, it really never has been like that. Now, the arrival of Jesus was prompted solely by God's love for us. So, God loved us, and His Son—the word that we just read there was as an atoning sacrifice. That word "atoning" simply refers to just understand—it's forgiveness, the means of forgiveness of sins. Kind of similar language that we sometimes wrap up with the reconciliation, being made righteous. It's all kind of the same family. But simply put, God loved us. So much that he expressed that love by sending Jesus. But his love didn't stop there. And even though the world didn't love him back and still doesn't love him back most of the time, but despite that, Jesus sacrificed himself and atoned for our sins. So, as we sing about this baby born in Bethlehem, Jesus arrived in that little town. And there he was lying in a manger. He wasn't just a bundle of joy for Mary and Joseph, his earthly parents. He was a bundle of God's love to the world. And how in the world do you respond to something like that? How, I mean, what is the appropriate response to that kind of love, that level of love given towards us? How, how do you respond to it? You know, response is not something that everybody has got figured out. In fact, I would say most of the world, first of all, doesn't know about it, and they don't even know how to respond to it. I was in Honduras uh, a number of years ago. I've been there several times. A very good friend of mine is a missionary there. Uh, if you've ever been to Honduras, it's a beautiful country, but it also happens to be one of the poorest countries on the entire planet. And when I went there with my friend, we would go minister in places that were way off the beaten path. You know, there's kind of the Honduras is kind of a hotbed for missions trips and they kind of go to the same places. Not where we went. No, no, we went way out and we worked with people and he, he does. He works with people in these little villages that doesn't have electricity. They don't have running water. You know, a couple hundred people out in the middle of nowhere. Not cut off from society, but limited contact for sure. Way out in the country. Let's just say they don't have guys that look like me walking into their village every day. And when we would go around these little villages, we would always go with lots of candy, all right? Pockets full of candy, big cargo pants full of candy. And we would just go meet people and we'd pull out a piece of candy and we would offer it to anybody who wanted it. Young and old, it didn't matter. And I remember the first time we did this, I was struck by how people responded, or what I might say, their lack of response to this offer of candy. Kind of a strange look, not understanding what this is about. And I remember doing that a few times, and I pulled my friend, who's the missionary, and I inquired about him. I I said, people seem a little standoffish. They don't really seem to appreciate that, or not really know what to think. And what's going on? Help me understand this response. And what my friend, who's the missionary, told me kind of took me back a little bit. He says, the look that you're getting from these people is is the look that you get when no one ever gives you anything. If you can imagine what that look is, these people are never given anything. He says, you can see, Joe, life is hard out here. They don't know what to do with something that is just given, even like a little piece of candy, something that is given with Absolutely no expectation for anything in return. He said a piece of candy out here is kind of a luxury for them. And for it to just be given away, it's not something they experience very often. And I think about that a lot. That was a very impactful moment in my life. And I think about that often. I've probably shared that with you before. I think about it often, especially around Christmas, talking about a gift of what Jesus brought and God's love. And what is our response to God's love? What is our response to his kindness? What is our response to his generosity? What is our response to his sacrifice? What is our response to his forgiveness? How does God want us to respond to that? Well, First John 4, 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Well, there's a huge indicator in Scripture about our response. How do you respond to that level of generosity? Turn around and love other people. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So you take that verse, you take our understanding of what the New Testament teaches about our response to God, what do we do? Well, obviously, the Lord wants us to respond in faith. What is it to you believe? Believing everything from his arrival to his death and great expectation for his second coming. You believe everything in between, just like John says in John three sixteen: whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. However, after we realize what the Lord has done for us on the cross, our normal response should be this to love him back and to love other people, especially those who belong to the family of God. So God so loved the world and he showed it by sending Jesus. Love itself is from God. It's God's love that brought us salvation through the cross. And our response is to love him back. 1 John 4, 7-8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I don't know what you think about at Christmas time. It's real easy to not understand what this season is about at all, but I'm here to tell you that it's more than what we make it out to be. It's more than presents, it's more than singing, it's more than candy, it's more than family, it's more than great food, it's more than the lights, it's more than the decorations, it's more than all those things. You know what it is? It is God showing the world how much he loves us through his son. And there's a great response that we have to that. And that is to believe and love other people. And I hope and pray that that is forefront in our minds, every Christian, every believer, this Christmas season. We're going to light candles here in just a minute, but I want to pray and I want to ask God, I want to ask him just to do something very special in our community this Christmas season, that somehow some way his love would be understood and known in ways that it hasn't been here before. And I would like to invite you to join me in that prayer this evening. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, first and foremost, we just thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus here to die on the cross for us. That Lord, you counted us as among people whom you love. And we're willing to go to great lengths to be reconciled with us. So Lord, we thank you. Lord, our prayer tonight is that over the next two days that right here in Bella Vista, this understanding that you so loved the world, that you gave your only son. Lord, I pray that would be understood and known and shouted and proclaimed and celebrated more than it ever has been in our city. And that Lord, you would use us in this place to deliver that message. That Lord, we would live it out in our own lives. And that Lord, this Christmas season, Lord, I pray before Christmas morning, somebody in our community would respond to that. They would respond in faith, I believe. They would respond to this great demonstration of your love and own it. And that we as a church family, we would turn around, Lord, and in ways we've never even known possible, would show that love to everybody else. Lord, help us to truly understand what this is all about, that, Lord, we'd understand it in deeper ways than we ever have before. Lord, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.